a lot of people are eating a pristine, optimally nourishing diet and still suffering immensely because of the quality of their thoughts and the quality of their mindset in the whole framework of the, you know, the, the scenario. So no one thing is more powerful or important than another. This whole equation of health is very much this wheel that every spoke needs to be aligned and the, the tension needs to be optimally taut and we need to be rolling in this, uh, this harmonious way. And when something gets out of alignment, we're going to, you know, get a wobble in our wheel and then we're going to experience the downstream effects of that. Hi there, veggie mates. You just heard from this week's guest, Dr. Benjamin Alter. I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and this is the Veg Talk Podcast. Welcome back for another week to the regular listeners and welcome to the show if this is your first time tuning in. It's great to have you here and thanks again for taking the time to listen. This week has been a hectic one for Anna and I as we officially moved on from the van life and into an apartment in Portland, Oregon. It's been an interesting time moving from a really small space to what now feels gigantic, I think the second-hand rug we purchased last night is almost as big as the van floor space we've become accustomed to over the past 11 months. With the pace of the week truly getting the better of me, I'm thankful for this week's guest, Dr. Benjamin, as he reached out at the perfect time for us to schedule and record an online conversation. I know this is not the norm for the podcast. However, with life changing recently, I want to remain flexible and still bring you guys conversations from the brightest minds in the vegan and plant-based movement. So today's chat is one I enjoyed immensely and also learned a lot from. Dr. Benjamin is a naturopathic doctor out of Carbondale, Colorado, where he and his wife share a practice together. Both of them are now whole food plant-based eaters, and we do cover Benjamin's food journey in the final 15 to 20 minutes of the episode. Our focus, however, today is more geared toward the role our thoughts play on our health, how we can understand them more deeply, and why staying in the present moment is so important. This is the first time on the show that we've covered such topics, so I hope you're able to learn a thing or two and enjoy the episode. As always, I'll catch you all on the other side. All right, so we're rolling today with Dr. Benjamin Alter, a naturopathic doctor. I think you couldn't be in a better location out of Carbondale, Colorado, so a bit of a, you know, uh, play on words there with uh, with the carbohydrates. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that because when we were deciding to move here, you know, Carbondale was named after carbon, like coal mining. It's an old coal mining town, but my mind also went to carbohydrates. <laughs> That's what I immediately and, thought. Yeah, and it's an, another funny fact about Carbondale is that it's actually an old potato farming industry that was a big part of the the culture as well historically so we've got the carbohydrates from the potatoes and from the the carbon from the coal so very cool very cool (laughs) yeah yeah so uh, thanks for for reaching out and i'm really stoked that we could we could get this organized at kind of short notice so i do appreciate your your time today ben absolutely thank you so much for making the time Okay, so let's let's get into it. So I suppose, you know, naturopathic um, medicine—it's not something that 
is in the in the mainstream uh, today. You know, we're normally talking about traditional medicine. We hear a lot about pharmaceuticals and uh, you know the the latest drugs that people are kind of pumping out for uh, for us to consume. I'd love to hear just a little bit about your journey. You know, how you got from you know wanting to be a doctor in the first place uh, to then finding your way uh, to this path. For sure. Well, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor from a young age, actually from probably about seventh or eighth grade when I had my first broken bone. Since then, I've had many. Um, But I saw an orthopedic surgeon who was just a jolly old guy. And I thought, wow, this guy really likes what he's doing. He's like, you know, looking at my bones and aligning my body and and, you know, quote unquote, he help, helping me to heal or healing me. And I thought, you know, I could do that. I could see myself doing that. So from that point forward, the seed was really planted for medicine. And the seed was really planted for physical kind of alignment, very mechanical medicine. That's all I really had any connection with. That's all I really knew. And despite growing up in Arizona and going to the University of Arizona, which is, uh, you know, has a medical conventional medical program that I was going to be starting. But despite being there, it's also a Arizona is also really a, a prominent place for naturopathic alternative medicine. And my mind was completely oblivious to the whole other side of the story. I was only really looking down this conventional road. And uh, one thing led to another in my, um, you know, undergraduate studies, I was pre-med, pre-med and kind of on track into that conventional route. And I actually had another injury that led me flying over the handlebars of my mountain bike, breaking another bone. And this time it shook me up in a way that I had not been shaken in my life thus far. And really it, it allowed me to re you know re question rethink what the heck i was doing with my life uh, i saw another orthopedic hand specialist who told me you know you might have arthritis in your hand in this in this thumb joint which is actually a, as we know it it's a really important joint to have this thumb of ours and he's like you know you might have arthritis in your earlier mid 30s and here i am in my you know early to mid 30s and no arthritis but that kind of you know question of oh like am i going to be limited in my abilities to fix people with my hands um am i going to be able to be a, a surgeon like i wanted to be so just kind of put a big pause on where the heck i was going in life and allowed me to Re, re kind of question and redetermine my path. And meanwhile, you know, this right hand that I had broken, I was immobilized for about two or three months, wasn't able to do anything with my right hand, which was my very predominant hand. I'm very right handed and also very left brained, very analytical, very scientific, rational. And that whole cerebral kind of balancing that we kind of hear about, you know, this left brain, right brain kind of thing. I had an experience of just my, my right brain and my being turned on from using my left hand for over the course of a few months. So 
in doing so, it allowed me to kind of have a new view on wor- on the world that I was living in. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another and I kind of just went inward from that point and really started to, to feel more, to, uh, you know, align more with what was in my most authentic, highest good and not really live anymore just off of, uh, the feeling of what I think I should do, what, what the world thinks that I should do. So I, I, from that point forward, I would say I started living a more authentic life and that led me into the realm of naturopathic medicine. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the journey that you've gone on through, through injury is, uh, is quite a cool one because I suppose it's, it's when you have those injuries that you get to see or feel the body do its healing kind of like firsthand. I haven't experienced a bone break myself, but I mean, that's, that's always kind of intrigued me that we can, you know, break a bone in two and then just through the power of the body, it is able to, you know, to fuse that bone uh, back together into, into one piece. Uh, so did, you know, I suppose that, that played a major role in, yeah. in propelling you in this, in this direction. Yeah. You said it very well that the bone heals itself. You know, a lot of us look to a cast as being the source of the healing. Oh, the cast must heal the bone, right? But no, the cast that we are placed in by our orthopedist or whoever just provides the environment for the bone to heal itself. That healing capacity is built into us. That healing capacity is built into, uh, you know, every cell of our body. And it's interesting that you brought up this, this fact of like me going through all these injuries and it was really brought to my awareness. Uh, my wife, Susanna, uh, she's kind of traversed a lot of chronic health stuff in her history. Uh, but for me, it's been acute thing after acute thing after acute thing. And most recently, actually, honestly, um, I guess it was four or five days ago, I was on another mountain bike ride in beautiful Colorado and uh, (laughs) flew off my bike one in a different way this time and landed on my shoulder. And I didn't think much of it initially, but over the course of two or three hours, my shoulder was in excruciating pain. And I thought for sure I had torn ligaments and needed surgery. And I did everything that I knew as a naturopathic doctor to support the acute healing of that soft tissue injury. And also I had, as we'll probably get into in this conversation, I had a really kind of high baseline foundation of health because of my nutrition. But so fast forward just two or three days, my shoulder was able to totally heal itself. I went from honestly thinking, you know, I might need surgery here. And then two days later, I'm like pretty much good as new. I'd say 90% or so. So our bodies have this incredible, incredible capacity to heal themselves. And we can witness that on the acute level very easily with a broken bone or a, or torn rotator cuff or a separated shoulder. Uh, and we can expedite that healing through natural measures very radically. Um, Specifically, water 
is one of the, the most powerful ways to promote the natural healing process in the body. And what water does is carry heat that pr promotes the circulation in our bodies in, in specific ways. So anyways, you know, yes, my, my experience in, uh, in acute injuries and allowing and watching my body heal has definitely pointed me to a deep level of curiosity and also a deep level of knowing and trusting how the body heals itself. And I know that I'm not a superhuman. I'm not any, any different than anyone. You know, my body heals itself just like every other body on this planet. Yeah, I think that's, that's an important message. A lot of people look to, you know, whether it be, you know, ultra athletes or, um, you know, people that kind of seem to do these air quotes, superhuman feats, you know, where mm. we're all, I suppose we all have the capacity for, for amazing things, whether it be, you know, athletic achievements or, or healing. We, we do all have the capacity um, to do this. I think mountain biking is, is an underrated sport in terms of how, how taxing it can be on the body uh, and how, <laughs> well, it's, how dangerous you know, it, it, can, it can be. When, you're, when, you're, when the rubber's on the dirt, everything's pretty good. But the, the moment the rubber comes off the dirt, meaning the tires, you know, uh, yeah, things can, you know, hit the fan pretty, pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So I, I actually, um, you know, I rode mountain bikes in college and then I didn't ride a mountain bike for probably eight or nine years until uh, recently. So I'm just kind of reacquainting myself on the mountain bike. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a learning experience in the last five or six months since learning how to ride the mountain bike again. You know, it's, <laughs> do you have that? Like, I know when, when I do something like, let's say like play tennis, like I grew up playing tennis. So I was pretty competent in you know, that skill set as a, as a younger guy. But now when I go back to, to trying to pick up a racket and, you know, play my dad, if I go back to Australia or whatever, I suck. And it, it kills me. Are you in the same, uh, the same kind of boat or have you picked it up really, really? I feel like I've picked up, uh, you know, riding the mountain bike again, but then again, you know, it's like, man, my, my body isn't 22 years old anymore. Like, you know, I feel like my, I don't know, some, some things, things change with age. I'm not saying that I, I still feel to probably in the best shape of my life for sure, undoubtedly. But in terms of, uh, like, I remember skiing as like a seven or eight year old and just like flying into a tree and just like shaking it off in five seconds. So now, now I think it takes, uh, you know, maybe, a day to shake something off rather than a minute. <laughs> yeah, and sure. I think that that's a, a good thing. You know, I think I was talking with someone the other day about how, you know, if we are continuously propelling ourselves into a wall <laughs> of some sort, just injuring ourselves or, or, you know, and this could be emotionally, you know, mentally, emotionally, or physically, if we are just con continually beating ourselves up, we need to look at our habits and our behaviors and kind of be a little bit more mindful in terms of how we're riding the bike, how we're uh, navigating relationships, anything like that. So I think, you know, 
I guess now my philosophy on injuries and, and, uh, health and healing is like, you know, all of, uh, all of the things that happen in our world are providing a level of feedback for us to reconsider what the heck we are doing and how we can kind of fine tune our path and navigate ourselves in a way that allows us to be a little bit more resilient and mindful. So something I picked up from uh, your experience with the, with the broken bones, a mobilization for the, you know, for the, the injured part of the body is super important in order for, he, for it to heal. You know, you, you avoid that, uh, that bashing up against the wall repetitively. Uh, if you, if you put the, the joint or the, you know, the, the limb in a, in an immobilized position, what can we learn from that immobilization you know you referred to emotionally and our feelings uh, our mindset is there a correlation between kind of like stopping um, with a joint or a you know a bone problem and also the rest of our body is if is does that make sense my question sorry I'm allowing it to kind of, to make sense. Uh, it doesn't immediately make sense. So yeah, maybe ask it one more time in a way that might make more sense for me. So I suppose like emotionally, um, like slowing down and taking more time to, to think about, you know, what we are feeling, why we might be feeling it, um, kind of as a reference to slowing down to heal something that's a little bit more obvious, like a bone break. Uh, we know that immobilization is going to, uh, to help that bone to heal. Is there also a correlation with, with the mind slowing down and, and taking more time to, uh, to feel those emotions and understand uh, a little bit more about why we are? I think that when we're talking about mental, emotional, and spiritual health and well-being, the lessons and healing opportunities that we have on that plane of our being are undoubtedly present. And we are going to, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but this is what's coming up for me is we are going to learn and know, and we'll also, we can also use the word heal. We're going to learn or heal in the timing that is perfect for us. So we might be faced with the same learning opportunity seven or eight times or seven or eight lifetimes, but at some point, at the perfect point, things are gonna click and we're gonna have an insight and then we're going to learn exactly what it is that we need to know in that particular instance. Uh, that being said, there's infinite opportunities to learn and grow and heal. And my personal philosophy on life is that that's the reason why we're here in this physical body is to learn, to grow and to heal emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And what that means for me is to cultivate an authentic connection with our true essence to remember who we truly are. And that is, it sounds really simple, but it's a continual, perpetual process. So no one has it mastered. That's why human beings are here, to master it. So we can look to our, our teachers, our, our gurus, uh, our spiritual teachers who are living in physical bodies, and even they 
are on the same learning curve as we are. They might be a little bit further along and have a little bit more experience to teach from, but everyone who is in a physical body, in a physical life at this time, has an opportunity to learn and grow uh, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And yes, you know, the connection to our physical health and well being is direct. There is a direct connection in terms of our spiritual awareness and growth and how we are feeling in our physical body with, with regard to our vitality, our overall energy, our innate ability to heal and recover from a mountain bike crash or anything like that. It is directly related to our spiritual connection and our spiritual well-being. Very cool. So how, if, if someone's coming to you, Ben, and, you know, well, I suppose, firstly, first question, yeah. what, are, what are people coming to you most commonly saying, you know, I'm experiencing this and I want to, you know, I want to be able to, you know, feel better or, um, mm -hmm. you know, this is the problem I'm looking to address. What are the most common things that you, uh, that you come, come across in your practice? Well, they're everything from digestive issues, which are probably the most common thing, um, to autoimmune diagnoses or, uh, you know, weight gain weight and, you know, trouble releasing weight energy, just energy issues, pretty much anything that someone, someone has received a diagnosis from their conventional medical doctor. They've tried some course of treatment, tried some diet, tried something, but they're not satisfied with the outcomes or the side effects of whatever protocol that they're on and they're seeking some sort of vitalistic natural way to approach their their health condition so uh, you know it's a really broad spectrum in terms of the physical things but a lot of people also do you know have complaints that are chiefly in the realm of their minds and experiencing anxiety or feeling disconnected from their purpose and you know it it's the way that I see it and the way that I've seen it really since uh, for a long time is that all of the physical symptoms that we do experience is just kind of the pathway, is just kind of the entrance point into something more. So, you know, if someone is just complaining of a stomach ache or complaining of, of weight issues, you know, I always invite someone to consider what the greater opportunities are. Like, what does this mean? What will your life be like when you heal your stomach ache? Because a lot of people are just purely hyper-focused on the physical symptom and wanting to resolve it as immediately as possible. But I think that a sustainable and really long-term um, you know, health outcomes can be enhanced when we consider the holistic well-being of somebody. And a lot of people throw around this term holistic, but obviously, as you and I know now, we're talking about how we feel mentally, emotionally, and as, as well as our spiritual connection. Very cool. So I suppose in terms of linking those all together, the mental, emotional, spiritual, um, and I suppose we could include, you know, diet or 
you know, what foods we ingest, uh, what activity we do. It's a, you know, it's a really rounded approach. How do you coach that or how do you help someone along that path that, that you referred to? Um, cause I suppose we, we might be coming to you saying, we're looking for help on, on, you know, navigating that. Are you, are you able to provide, uh, you know, sources of, uh, information or, uh, other people in, um, in the, in the wellness world that might be able to, yeah, kind of enhance, uh, that experience for that person. I really love your question. What you're speaking to is like, you know, really at the core of the practice of my practice. And it really comes down to this paradigm. I, I really don't like the word paradigm. I don't know. It kind of irks me, but I don't know a better word in this case. So this paradigm that we're living in where the doctor or the health provider or the health coach has the answers and the patient is going to that person in order to be fixed. And I totally switch that thing around. I totally am, am, you know, slashing that way of looking at the world because that is not empowering and that does not set us up for long-term sustainable health results. So the paradigm or the model that I work within is that every person that I work with in whatever scenario is their own healer has their own answers and my job is to neutrally objectively compassionately reflect what i see so that they can have greater insight and awareness in terms of how they can connect with that that they already are and sometimes that does look like sharing some nutritional science and nutritional information and kind of the latest evidence-based this or that in whatever scenario but most of the time, it's simply pointing people and connecting people to their authentic wisdom because that's really, you know, that once someone connects with their authentic wisdom and has that feeling of what it feels like to connect with their wisdom, then they don't need a doctor, you know, then they, then they don't need anybody outside of themselves. You know, that's not to say that we're all independent and need to operate as our own independent healers because we live we as human beings we are connected and we do live in community but the the relationship with our healer becomes dramatically different when we know when we when we go to our healer our health coach our, our naturopathic doctor and we know that we have the healing capacity inside of ourselves and we're just looking for a little nudge of guidance do you usually give case by case um, kind of information in terms of, you know, the tools that you can provide or are people able to kind of be equipped with the, a similar or the same set of tools uh, to, you know, to help them? Are there, are there any like, you know, go to mindfulness um, um, things that people can adopt in their own life or, uh, you know, are there basically what I'm trying to say, are there, are there a bunch of different things, uh, case by case, or are there actually a set of practices that we can start leaning towards, uh, to, to get more in touch with, with our, 
you know, our own wisdom within our own body. Totally. I think that there are not uh, necessary prescriptive practices for anybody. I think that when anyone takes a breath and lets out their breath and finds a little sliver of peace and quiet, then <laughs> that's all that they need. Because, uh, you know, I think that a lot of people were, were programmed, I, I think, in fact, to really focus on all of the negative feelings that we have. You know, we live in this anxiety, depression, uh, you know, like everyone is just talking about their anxiety as everyone's talking about their griefs and the, their depressions. And now the kind of cool thing to do is to talk about our traumas as well. So we just are programmed to uh, look at and think about all of these kind of, we'll call them negative experiences or negative thoughts or negative feelings. But really, that is not our true nature. Those negative thoughts, feelings, emotions are by and large memories that do not exist in the present moment. So when we learn how to be more in the present moment, and I think the, the word for that that we commonly use is when we learn to be more mindful, then we are able to transcend all of those thoughts, feelings, beliefs that can be limiting our experience, uh, you know, holistically. So my back to the question about like a tool or a prescribed practice, my favorite thing, which I, I don't, I don't have any tools or, or, or practices that I recommend to everybody because I don't think that anyone needs anything outside of themselves to connect with themselves. I think that it's built into us to have that authentic connection but that being said, one of the things that people forget about is our breath. And people are generally breathing with about 10 to 12% of their lung capacity and learning how to cultivate a deeper connection with our full lung capacity can be really helpful in a lot of ways and specifically learning how to exhale. Because a lot of people, when we talk about breathing, you'll look at them and, and they'll just take a big breath in and then they'll, but what that big breath in does is it actually stimulates the sympathetic branch of our autonomic nervous system, which we know as being the branch of the nervous system that promotes anxiety and stress and that fight or flight or freeze response. But the exhalation, <laughs> when we deeply and completely allow our lungs to fully deflate, we're promoting the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. And that's the nervous part of the nervous system that a lot of people have become disconnected from. And that, is, and that disconnection, in my perspective, is really at the heart of all chronic disease. When we are connected with our parasympathetic branch of the nervous system, which is our rest, our digest, our heal, our detoxification branch of the nervous system, then our body knows what to do. Our body does what it needs to do. So that's, from my perspective, the, the best practice to kind of connect the mind and the body to the present moment and, you know, kind of uh, promote that healing response that we all are capable of. So in terms of, of breathing, I think in this present time, 
we're being flooded with kind of different techniques you could say so i'm seeing a lot of people out there engaging in in breath work um kind of uh you know classes i'm mm-hmm. seeing a lot of that uh and then as we referred to before a lot of people going towards meditation uh and i've only honestly i've only really dabbled in meditation uh, but my experience so far is definitely being connected uh, to your breath, kind of concentrating on your breath and, and staying with your breath. Um, yeah. Can these be beneficial breath work practices, meditation? What's your experience? I have a lot of experience with breath work and meditation. Yeah. Um, I uh, got really into breath work and there's a, you know, when people use the term breath work, there's a lot of things that they can be talking about. They can be talking about kind of the, the holotropic um, abdominal breathing in and out through the mouth that gets us out of our head and gets us into our body and actually allows us to kind of disembody um, in many cases. And then there's like other pranayamic practices, alternate nostril practices and that sort of thing. And all of these things can have a great benefit but really for me the the biggest benefit that is consistent among them all is that they get us connected to our bodies a lot of people um, are just living around totally disconnected from what's happening in their bodies so when we cultivate a connection with our breath by whatever means it is we cultivate that connection between our mind and our body and we uh, enhance the, um, the tonification it's called of our vagus nerve. You know, a lot of people talk about the vagus nerve as being this really important uh, highway of information that connects our, our mind and our bodies, our brain and our bodies. And as we tonify that connection, we allow ourselves to cultivate greater resilience to stress And that's really a key for living in our world today. So I think that one of the kind of ways to balance all of the interactions that we have with our screens and, and all the scrolling on Instagram and all of our Netflix documentaries and like all this totally overstimulated nature that we're living in. One way to balance that is by, um, you know, tonifying the vagus nerve. And the best way to do that is through various breathwork practices. And all of them kind of have a different, um, you know, the, the nuances of that are, are different. But the easiest for me that is most accessible, accessible is just focusing on the exhalation and lengthening the exhalation and exhaling completely so that you are free to receive a fresh breath, you know, because not only is breathing important for that mind-body connection, but it's also one of our primary ways of detoxification. And if we're only using 10 to 12% 12 of our lung capacity, then 88% of our lung capacity is full of stale, toxic air. So we want to get that out of us and receive ideally a breath of fresh air beautifully put beautifully put now you referred also to you know the the world we're living in now where we're talking so much about like our depression our anxiety uh, those kind of negative feelings now just because they're negative does that mean 
you know, does that mean we should be avoiding them or does that mean we should be welcome, welcoming them in uh, and learning from them? What's your kind of take on uh, today's kind of depression and anxiety phenomenon, we could call it, because it really is, it's top of mind for, for a, large, um, a large percentage of the population. And I'm sure you're, you're probably getting a lot of people coming to, you know, with these kind of symptoms. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely not anti-anxiety or anti-depression. What I am is pro-present moment. I am all about being in the present moment. And most of the time when I'm talking with someone who is, has a tendency to experience anxiety, they never have anxiety in the present moment. They have anxiety when they look at the past or when they worry about the future. That's where anxiety lives. So the antidote to anxiety is cultivating a connection to the present moment. And I think the same could be said for depression. You know, obviously depression in the present moment, we call that grief or sadness. And that's a natural human feeling. There's nothing wrong with feeling sad or grief when we have a breakup, when we lose a loved one, when our pet dies. Um, You know, I've experienced grief and sadness like just a few days ago when I crashed my mountain bike. I was in in a low state of mind. And there's absolutely nothing pathologic of that, about that. Um, but the pathology can set in when we dwell unnecessarily on past occurrences. And once again, the antidote or the, the therapeutic treatment to that is cultivating a connection with the present moment. Because in the present moment, you know, everything's all good. We've got our breath. We've got... Our, our life. Um, and in the present moment also lies the opportunity to cultivate gratitude and gratitude for everything that we've got. Maybe it's not a lot, but gratitude for what is, is another really potent medicine to address all of these mental health conditions and concerns that people struggle with. So that's really my approach to mental health stuff. I used to really, um, I've got an experience with spiritual psychology. I I got a master's in this program that taught me to go back in time and process old childhood memories and traumas and emotions. And I used to think that that was the way out of the depression or anxiety. And sure, that can be helpful for some people, but it's not reliably the way out. The way out is to be present in your life in moment by moment. Uh, so that, I don't know if I directly answered your question on the topic, but I'm not, yeah, I, I welcome those feelings in when they do, you know, like I'll give you another example. I used to really have anxiety about, um, you know, be uh, appearing on a podcast like this or giving a public talk or a presentation. I used to have this kind of stage fright anxiety, heart racing, sweaty palms. I think a lot of people can relate. And I learned that there is actually absolutely nothing pathologically wrong with that. And once I recognized that and saw that for what it is, saw that as my body's inherent wisdom to get me to be present, you know, all of these anxiety symptoms of palpitations and racing heart, 
that's our body urging us, pushing us to be in the present moment. And most people's tendency is to, oh, I don't want to feel that. Oh, like go away, heart rate, <laughs> go away, sweaty palms. Um, you know, but once we just recognize that as the body's inherent wisdom, and once we embrace that, then usually, usually as in like 100% of the time, that dissipates, or at least the edge is taken off significantly. So, you know, we can experience the acute symptoms of, sadness or depression or anxiety but we don't have to um we don't have to treat them we don't have to treat them we can welcome them in as being as part of being human uh, and learn from those kind of uh those messages that are that our body is wise enough to send us yeah i think it like it could be a simplistic view from my point but i definitely heard uh i have heard in the past what you referred to in terms of um you know kind of lingering in the past or lingering in the future and feeling the depression and anxiety i think specifically what i heard was uh when you live in the past that's where the depression kind of wells up and when you're living in the future that's where the anxiety tends to uh uh tends to come up and from my own experience i think it's it's got some you know it's it's true it, when you when you're thinking about future events that have not unfolded yet um yeah that typically brings in uh, an anxious kind of response from the body you might be thinking about something in the past that uh, that has occurred whether it's you know, something that you miss, like it could have been a really positive experience that you're not experiencing in the present time, uh, but you have in the past. Lingering in that moment might bring up, you know, some kind of uh, uh, responses of depression because you're not experiencing that in the present moment. Not sure if that makes total sense, but my experience with it, you know, I can, I can totally understand uh, where you're coming from. And then how relaxing the breath is in the present moment in terms of um you know in terms of a response mechanism if, if you are about to go on stage or you're about to do a podcast and you're getting the the, the heart rate is is increasing the the palms are starting to sweat when you're able to come back to the breath it, it is truly it's it's relaxing um and I suppose what you're referring to, that is the present, that is the present moment. So that's just in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, you, you said something that made me want to like reiterate or, um, you know, drive something home. Like the, the mm -hmm. feelings, the feelings of sadness, the feelings of anxiety, any other flavor of emotion that human beings are free to feel those feelings are the end product of our thoughts, the quality of our thoughts. So our feelings come from our quality of our thinking. So if we're, if we're thinking about future events, then we feel anxiety. If we're thinking about past grievances, then we feel depression. So the feeling is like, uh, is, is like biofeedback telling us to be back in the present moment. 
So when we feel depressed, it's, there's nothing wrong about feeling depressed. It's an opportunity to, oh yeah, like I'm feeling depressed because I'm thinking about this or that. Let's think about this present moment. Let's be with my breath. Let's be in nature. Let's be in my life. And when we're thinking and when we're feeling the, 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 you know, heart racing and, and we're feeling anxious about, you know, our day's work that is, um, you know, to, to all the things we've got to do tomorrow or the next day and the, the trip that we have planned next weekend, then that, those feelings of anxiety that come from those thoughts are urging us to come back. You know, these feelings are not something that need to be numbed out medicated that's for sure these feelings are messages you know wise messages wisdom from the body telling us hey be present in your life love it it's yeah. it's like a you know an archaic response it's like ingrained in us to respond this way yeah. I, I think uh, i suppose the the struggle that so many people are having right now is just not knowing how to process these messages. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that's why we're seeing, you know, what people are kind of referring to as an epidemic in this, in this kind of realm. What you referred to there was the power of thought as well. So in kind of controlling our experience, like we have the power within us through our thoughts to, uh, I suppose, to live more intentionally. So in your experience, uh, you know, practicing and, and yourself, how important is, I suppose, positive thinking or just, you know, a thought process in terms of, in terms of health, you know, not underestimating uh, the power of our own thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest, I'm actually really anti-positive thinking. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. I, I think that positive thinking is really difficult. And I think that I, I used to think that it was all about positive thinking and just more positive thoughts, you know, crowd out the negative thoughts. But now my, my, um, my path and really what I have to share and teach to my clients and patients is not about how to think positively. We all have that capacity, but really how to understand what thoughts are. And thoughts are absolutely nothing more than formless energy, like a cloud in the sky that the wind blows through on a windy day. Um, and being formless, they have no power, no control over us. That is until we latch on and think about those thoughts. We add weight to that formless energy by thinking about our thoughts. And then next thing we know, we create the end product of that, which is an emotional experience. That's not to say that emotional experiences are bad, like we talked about before. The, the sadness or the anxiety, those emotional experiences are programs that point us back towards the present moment. But understanding what thought is can be really liberating. You know, understanding that, you know, that anxious thought that passes through my consciousness has no control over me unless or until I give that thought control 
is really empowering. So I'm not about choosing more positive thoughts or choosing more negative or, or getting rid of the negative thoughts. I'm all about understanding what thoughts are, which are nothing and being more of a neutral understanding observer of our, the, the climate of our thinking in any given moment and understanding how to just be with our thoughts without getting entangled in them and without creating what I like to call it as being like a thought storm, which can be really uncomfortable. And those thought storms are inevitable. They are part of our human experience. That's what our, our big emotional feelings come from. They come from thought storms. But still, having that glimmer of insight that thoughts are nothing more than formless energy. They don't have power over our uh, they don't have power of, over us in any sort of way, you know, that can be really liberating and insightful for a lot of people. What role do they have in, in actual health? That's another great question. So I connect thoughts and symptoms, you know, like, um, pain, like any sort of pain, you know, I'll, I'll use my shoulder as an example, as I was in a lot of pain a few days ago when I, when I crashed the bike and landed on my shoulder. So um, pain is totally exponentially enhanced when we think about it. And if I had that shoulder pain, and I did have that shoulder pain, and I was trying to go to bed, and it was just me and the bed and the sheets and the blanket and my shoulder and my thoughts. And we were all just bundled up there. And I, all I was doing was thinking about that shoulder. And let me tell you, it was excruciating. And I had such a hard time sleeping that first night. But I can assure you that if instead of me being wrapped up in my sheets and my thoughts and my shoulder in my bed that night, if I went and, um, you know, in, in the pain, if I went with the pain and had, uh, went to a party or went to watch a movie or, or, um, you know, went to, you know, play a game or something like that, something that took me out of my head, took me out of my thoughts, then I can assure you that my experience of pain would have been dramatically less. And I've had that experience and I trust many people have, you know, that you've got a headache and it's like, oh my gosh, this headache is just throbbing. But then you go out to, to dinner or go out to a movie with friends and it's like, oh, that headache just disappeared. I'm not so sure that the headache totally disappeared or that the thoughts about the headache went somewhere else. You know, so thoughts about our health and thoughts about our physical symptoms can totally influence our experience of our physical symptoms. And I'm not saying that if someone has a headache, they just need to go to the movie more of the time. <laughs> you know, they, they need to address what, be, what might be causing that headache, but also taking the edge off by understanding that our thoughts about our physical symptoms can dramatically influence our experience of health is really empowering and important, especially for people who are struggling day after day after day with chronic, sometimes debilitating symptoms. So thoughts and understanding our thoughts is a really great way, you know, to just kind of take that edge off therapeutically from my perspective. Nice. So we've kind of explored 
you know, different, I suppose, different symptoms that we see in today's society, uh, different ways to, to come back to the present moment, uh, the power of thought, the power of our mind uh, in terms of healing. This is the Veg Talk podcast, and I think it would be uh, crazy not to, uh, to kind of tackle the dietary, uh, the nutrition side of things. What role does nutrition have to play in, you know, human health, human healing? Uh, you know, taking someone from, I suppose, you, you know, taking someone from a, I suppose, an, you know, a, a, an unhealthy state, taking them from an unhealthy state and transforming them um, into, a, into a much more healthier state through, uh, you know, nutrition as well as some of the other practices we talk about. But what role does nutrition have to play? Of course, of course. And I mean, you've had some of our leading experts in the world of nutrition on that are, you know, my teachers, my leaders, for sure, people that I learn from. And so I'm not going to reiterate the, the, the facts that they are so, uh, so wonderful and experts at in terms of uh, sharing into the world. But my perspective and how I weave nutrition into this whole conversation is like I said earlier in this conversation, healing is all about creating an optimal environment in the body that allows healing to happen. Just like back to that casted bone, you know, the cast creates and provides an environment physically, structurally for that bone to heal itself. The optimal nutrition for humans provides an environment internally for healing to optimally happen. A lot of people say that food or not a lot of people, I should say Hippocrates said that food is medicine, you know, and a lot of people agree that food is medicine. I actually try and tweak that statement just a little bit. And I say that food is medicine. Yes, but food doesn't heal the body. Food provides the nutrients and resources and environment for the body to heal itself. Bodies are self-healing. So that is where food comes in. Food is something that every human has an intimate connection with. Every human is putting food in some way or shape or form into their mouths at least a few times a day. And that food absolutely 100% is either putting them more towards health or more towards disease. That's the opportunity that we have when we eat is to point ourselves towards health or disease. And yeah, I think that the same could be said for so many other practices um, like eat, um, drinking and breathing and moving our bodies or lack thereof. Um, and then back to our thoughts as well. We can either be thinking towards health or thinking towards disease. We can either be hydrating towards health or hydrating towards disease or dehydrating rather. So all of these things, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people actually say, you know, Dr. Benjamin, is it really that kind of black and white? Is it really just health or disease or like, or life or death? And yeah, it kind of is, you know, yeah, it kind of is. I think a lot of people are walking around and functioning in their lives on a standard American diet and they're not diseased yet but they're going slanting down that hill. 
So, you know, we can't in, in a moment we can, we can actually look at what's going on in the body, you know, feed a bacon cheeseburger and see all of the downstream effects of disease promoting genes and inflammatory cascades and other sort of biomarkers. We can measure that in a moment. And the same could be said for, you know, a, a kale smoothie or, you know, a potato or any other real food. We ingest that and we can see all of the health biomarkers that are health promoting. So I think that food is absolutely, in terms of our behavior in our life, the most powerful place to start um, when we're on a healing journey. And that is where I start. I start with food and I start with our, the quality of our mindset uh, around food because that's another kind of conversation piece is how we are relating with our food because a lot of people just see food as like oh yeah like I know I should be eating that but I'm gonna eat that instead or yeah like I'll you know eat that but you know now I'm gonna go to the gym and exercise it off you know a lot of people have this really dysfunctional relationship with food and that dysfunctional re relationship stems from simply dysfunctional thoughts around food and around themselves and around uh, the connection that people have with their bodies and with their healing process. I think I kind of had like a penny drop kind of moment in this conversation uh, here. So what I love about this is that yes, health is a spectrum. Um, you know, we can either be kind of climbing this mountain towards optimal health um, or we can kind of be rolling into, you know, the abyss, if you will, uh, of disease. But what, what all of, you know, all of the conversation today is helping and correct me if I'm wrong, the penny might've dropped incorrectly, but it's help. All of this is helping the body to have an optimal environment so it can heal itself. It, it has that power. Ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. I mean, I think that that belief and understanding is a game changer in and of itself for yeah. people to know that their body has everything that it needs built into it. We are born with everything that we need to heal ourselves. Sometimes we're not exercising our thoughts accurately or, or optimally. Sometimes we're not exercising our choices of foods optimally. But that being said, we're influenced and bombarded with so many stimuli that are urging us to not live in balance, to not live aligned with nature. So we need to be mindful of all of those external stimuli all of those headlines that say, oh, but actually you can eat this amount of meat and be healthy. We need to be mindful of all these stimuli that feed us all sorts of information that promote this questionable um, you know, <laughs> way of living and, and functioning in our world. And we need to remember the inherent power that we have to truly live aligned with nature. And when we do, the byproduct of that is health. The byproduct of living aligned with nature is that our bodies have that innate ability 
turned on optimally to heal themselves, to stay healthy. And then the down, downstream effects of that are managed weight, longevity, energy, optimal sleep, you know, radiant skin, like all of these things that people kind of pinpoint and try to treat as separate things. These are just by, downstream byproducts of living aligned with nature, living in a way that promotes and maintains this optimal environment for the body to thrive. Yeah, what you've just described is really the holistic approach uh, versus that reductionist approach that we're all so used to kind of, I know, seeing and hearing about. We might not make the connection that that is a reductionist approach, like what you're talking about. Like, uh, you know, we might be using the most expensive, latest skincare, but we're drinking Diet Coke and smoking cigarettes <laughs> at the same time. So, you know, that is not, that's not the answer going out and getting that product to topically apply to your skin or whatever it might be uh, is not going to be the long-term solution. Uh, what you spoke about yeah. before being with or being with or aligned to nature uh, is the byproduct of that is health. And I, I really, I really like that. And another thing that just sparked in my mind was, is that a lot of people have that same relationship with food. A lot of people, rather than buying the, the latest skincare regime and drinking the diet Coke, a lot of people are eating a pristine, optimally nourishing diet and still suffering immensely because of the quality of their thoughts and the quality of their mindset in the whole framework of the, you know, the, the scenario. So no one thing is more powerful or important than another. This whole equation of health is very much this wheel that every spoke needs to be aligned and the, the tension needs to be optimally taut. And we need to be rolling in this, uh, this harmonious way. And when something gets out of alignment, we're going to, you know, get a wobble in our wheel. And then we're going to experience the downstream effects of that. And sometimes, you know, some people have a really great way of strengthening and optimizing that diet. That's really common as well for people that I see is like, oh, I'm eating this. Everything's perfect. Like what's wrong with me? And I'm like, you know, let, let me just tell you what I see. Uh, so all of these things are equally important. And, you know, Sure. There are a lot of people from my perspective, from our perspectives, looking into the standard American life diet and lifestyle. There are a lot of people who need to clean up their diet, but there are an equal number of people, equal number of people, or maybe even more amount of people that need to, you know, understand the, the nature of thought and the nature of their mindset and how to optimize that as well. No, I love that. I really do. I was going to ask that question about, you know, that, uh, the whole food plant-based person who, you know, has that pristine diet, but you know, there might be other parts of, of their life that are affecting their health. So you referred to kind of diet as being often the place that you will begin, you know, so that kind of lets someone in on, on feeling more healthy. And I know I've found it myself. I've just become more interested in other aspects of my life. How can I, you know, how can I get into nature more? How can I be more mindful? How can I get back to my breath as often as possible? 
um, those types of things, I think they naturally start to come to you after you feel like you know, you're on a better path with your diet. I'm definitely not going to say I'm 100% optimal with my plant-based diet, but you know, having the knowledge there that that is one aspect that I can really start to help myself, I just have become more interested in other aspects uh, of my life. That's awesome. We covered and you know, we're, we're running out of time today. Normally, we, we would cover this kind of early, but you know, I think yeah. your line of work uh, lends itself to uh, a different perspective and a, and a different approach uh, to what we've heard on the podcast. But I'd love to hear your own personal kind of journey with food. Uh, so how oh, did, you know, how did that come about? How did you, how did you want to, you know, or decide to, sorry, how did you decide to, uh, you know, start eating a, a plant-based diet? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, it actually goes back a long time. Um, and I studied nutrition after I finished my undergrad, I got really interested in, in nutrition. I, I knew I wanted to be like a holistic doctor of some sort. And, um, I had like a kind of a gap year to fill, so to speak. So I wanted to educate myself on nutrition and in this nutritional program, I started learning about, um, you know, different diets. And one diet that really spoke to me was the raw vegan diet. <laughs> I don't know if you are familiar with, um, David Wolf, but he is kind of yeah. a raw, a raw vegan advocate. And I heard him speak and he, his energy really like resonated with me and his passion, you know, ignited something in me. So slowly, but surely I kind of went down this path towards more and more, more or less raw veganism. And I didn't have a whole lot of uh, obviously medical understanding um, and not even that much nutritional understanding of how to do it optimally. Um, so I was kind of raw vegan for about six months or eight months or something more or less. And then I maintained a vegan diet for uh, three or four years, actually like in, until first year of medical school. And, um, once I started naturopathic medical school, it's funny because a lot of people assume that naturopathic doctors are probably all plant-based, right? Well, let me tell you, absolutely not. Um, you know, the predominant diet and lifestyle that permeates through naturopathic doctors and permeates through all of our culture now is kind of a paleo sort of lifestyle, you know, low carb, high protein, that sort of thing that we're all familiar with. So I wasn't really influenced by that so much, but um, I, I was, so I was living, you know, at that point, what I would call a healthy vegan diet and lifestyle. But in first year of medical school, I had a lot of friends who were eating meat. And at that time, bone broth was really becoming a thing. So I had a cup of bone broth, um, my first year of medical school, and that like, I felt like that gave me something that I was missing. I just had like, you know, I was like, whoa, what, what was that? That was like, I felt supercharged. So something changed. I was like, you know, I'm, I feel like I, I was missing something on my, my vegan diet. And I started eating, you know, meat maybe every week or so, nothing ex extravagant. Um, but, and then I met Susanna, who's now my wife, who was very much this paleo person as well. So the first thing that she 
made me on like our first date was like lamb shanks. So I was <laughs> at her house, like eating this, you know, lamb bone. And that for the first time, like that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. So anyways, I, I kind of bounced into this kind of paleo sort of thing for a year or so. And then that was definitely the case with Susanna for our first year together. And I never felt like I needed to eat meat. I actually never would buy meat at the store. It was kind of just this thing that oh, I think my, yeah, I guess I'll have it like every once in a while because I, I think that my body does kind of need something from meat. But fast forward another little while, you know, some things clicked, some new documentaries were watched <laughs> and uh, some, some, some things clicked in my mind. And I realized very clearly that my, what I was lacking on my plant-based diet for all of the years previously was the calories that I needed in order to maintain my active lifestyle. Uh, and I think that is the number one downfall and number one thing that people struggle with is eating enough of their nutrient dense foods in order to meet caloric needs. So that was definitely my case, my, um, what happened for me. And I had actually had, uh, you know, borderline anemia. I had really low testosterone actually at that point in my life. And, um, I healed all of those things on a plant-based diet. Um, so, I got some blood work done and my testosterone was that of like an 85 year old man, like 210. And my anemia, anemia was always kind of borderline. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to eat more. I'm going to eat nutrient dense plants. I'm going to eat enough of them. I really focused on, you know, more of the calorie, more of the calorie density foods, like the grains and the legumes and the potatoes. And I, my test and i also started high intensity interval training hit training for to boost my testosterone and also some hydrotherapy stuff so my testosterone went from 210 to about 650 in 3 months um on a nutrient dense whole food plant based diet and also um the exercise and my anemia also corrected during that time and so that was just about three years ago, I believe that the, the, the switch was kind of made again to really embrace once again, a, a, a whole food plant-based diet from a greater level of understanding how to do it, um, how to do it the way that humans were intended to thrive on the carbohydrate rich, the high carbohydrate, high starch, um, but also high nutrient dense foods. Plenty of learning to do there. I think from your yeah. own experience, it's quite cool uh, to hear about. Um, I, I just want to begin to wrap things up, Ben. Um, yeah. It's been really, I've learned a lot from, from today's conversation. I really do appreciate. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Coming on the show. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I would love to hear, you know, if there's a listener that wants to find you uh, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wants to, to learn more from you. What are some ways that we can find you and uh, what do you have available for us that we can uh, kind of delve more into the, into the topic? Great. Yes. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all the things. So at Dr. Benjamin Alter, you can find me on Instagram. And then 
at alter.health is our, um, alter health is our practice. Dr. Susanna, my wife, who that paleo person from earlier in the story, turns out she's really thrives on a whole food plant-based diet as well. Um, so we are uh, partners in our practice, Alter Health, and that's www.alter.health. And we work with people all over the world. We do have a small private practice here in Carbondale, Colorado, but everything that we do is really focused online. And specifically, the one thing that we're most excited and enthusiastic about right now is our new course that we just launched called Medicinal Living. And Medicinal Living is focused on food for sure. There's about three weeks of content that really dive into nutritional science and how to eat that whole food plant-based diet in a way that is understanding of all of these things that, you know, so many plant-based vegans struggle with and, and uh, specifically calorie intake, specifically, um, you know, all these other nutrients that are important. Um, and also the, the course is really geared to cultivate a level of understanding and wisdom around all of these fads that all of these kind of misconceptions that are held around plant-based diets so that you're able to maintain a, a level of understanding when you're in, engaging in conversation with the world, when you're interfacing with all of this information that's bombarding you. So anyways, the, the medicinal living course is six weeks and about three weeks of that is focused on food and the other three weeks is focused on all the other parts of that wheel of health you know, mainly our thoughts and our relationships and our purpose, how to have it cultivate an understanding with those kind of things that are essential for our health and also the air that we're breathing and also cultivating a connection with that breath and the water that we're drinking and how to hydrate optimally because most people, we didn't talk about it today, but most people are chronically dehydrated. And then of course, movement and how to kind of be active in the world that in a way that is not draining it's not strenuous, does not, you know, take away your energy, but gives you energy and gives you joy. So that's kind of our medicinal living course, which we're really excited about. We think that um, it is an opportunity for people to totally transform their health and their life and to do so in a sustainable sort of way. So we kind of poured all of our heart and love into creating this course. And we think that it's also something that we probably couldn't really offer to any of our one-on-one -on -one clients because it like it's it's just so focused and it and it covers so much. It would probably take about six months to go over that level of uh, understanding and teaching in our one-on-one -on -one client calls. So we we created that to kind of just put that out there for anyone to enjoy. So that's available. And sorry, I'm blabbering, but no, keep um, going. <laughs> <laughs> but um, starting on November 4th, I don't know when this is launching, but we're, we're running our first mastermind um, going through this course together as a group. So people have been going through the course on, them, on their own, but we've gotten a lot of feedback saying that, hey, it would be nice to go through this with a group of people and also have some live calls, some question and answer sessions so that um, you know I can learn more and, you know, have, you know, greater ability to implement all of these things that I'm learning in my life. So we're starting this mastermind group 
um, November 4th, but that'll be kind of an ongoing thing. Every few months we'll start a new mastermind. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. This is actually yeah. going to go live this week. So, Oh, yep. We, um, cool. uh, we're going to get this one live straight away. So that'll be, you know, a good month in advance before November 4th. If anyone is interested in going through that, uh, as a group, it sounds like a fantastic resource. So thank you to you and Susanna for putting in, you know, uh, the effort and pouring out your, uh, your heart and soul into, into that, um, you know, that piece of information. I think that'll be a game changer for, for anyone who decides to, to take part. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a great place to, to wrap things up. Dr. Benjamin, yeah. it's been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate it. And yeah, please guys go and say hi to uh, Dr. Benjamin online, whether it be Instagram or or through the website and, and let him know that you uh, listen to today's conversation. I think we should, uh, I think it would be fitting to finish today's conversation with a, with a deep breath. What do you think? Oh, as long as it's an exhale, as so, long as it, as long as the deep breath is followed by an exhale. Yes. Let's let take, take us through one. Oh yeah. So let's start with the exhale. Okay. And then find the inhale. Breathe it into your belly and just let it go all the way. That's good. You can breathe yeah, again can, if yeah. you want. <laughs> Beautiful. Good way, to, good way to round it out, man. Uh, I appreciate it. I would actually, I think it would be really cool to maybe dig deeper on some of these topics um, in the future on another podcast. It would be, it'd be really cool. I think there's lots... Uh, lots on the table that we didn't kind of uh, tackle today. So yeah, hopefully in the future we can, we can get you back on the show. Maybe we can come out to Colorado and do one in person. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a van, this is a good place for van life. Totally. Is. <laughs> totally is. We'll see if we can, uh, you know, move, move from, uh, from Portland for a couple of weeks into, into um, back into van life and to Colorado. Yeah, well, this, the, the skies are blue here, which is a game changer in the wintertime. You don't get so much blue sky in Portland. No, no, we're getting used to that now. Plenty of, uh, yeah. plenty of drizzle, plenty of gray weather, but you know, we'll, we'll see how we go. Anyway, mate, cool. thank you very much, and we will talk to you again soon. Hey, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to yet another episode of the Veg Talk podcast. I really appreciate you giving up the time in your busy schedules to join the conversation. It means a lot to me and I hope we're continuing to provide value. You can find Dr. Benjamin Alter on Instagram at Dr. Benjamin Alter, all one word, and also by visiting their practice website, www.alter.health. Dr. Benjamin also has a fantastic podcast of his own uh, with over 100 episodes that you can explore. And you can find that uh, by going to the website and selecting the podcast tab. If you are enjoying the show and would like to support us, please leave a review through the Apple Podcast application on iPhone. It's super easy. Hit the five-star button and don't forget to click on the write a review button to let us know what you thought of the show. I'll catch you all again next week for another episode, guys. Until then, you know the drill. Keep it plant-based, veggie mates, and I'll see you all then.